This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Hi, Monica. It's great to be here, Lucy. <laughs> I haven't seen you in what feels like a very long time. I wonder why. <laughs> it's because I went out of town. It's funny because Monica can take vacations and I don't say anything about it. And then I take one and she goes, well, you're gone for so long. It's really. You're it's, very needy. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Hi, how are you? I'm doing fucking fantastic are you no my dog has been keeping me up like all night she has worms no she does not have worms she had worms oh my goodness she did not have worms what did she have there was a singular tape worm okay she had worm aaron's face makes it look like there were more than one worm okay we took really (laughs) before everyone comes at me she was we on all some, know it's not your fault. She was on some Perica. Somehow, some way, she still got a worm. I think she must have eaten like a microscopic flea. I gave it to her. I gave her the worm. You probably did. Last time I was here, I said, you see this worm? Uh, Doesn't it look nice? Yeah, I asked Jessica to put me in her fucking suitcase and she refused. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if I wanted to bring Nas outfit, I don't have room for Monica. I'm sure you were like the same black dress like the whole time. Literally, have you even checked my Instagram? Honestly, no. Okay, well, <laughs> guess you're not a good enough friend to deserve coming in my suitcase then. Oh my God. That's, whoa. <laughs> whoa, guys. Whoa. <laughs> face um i'm fully kidding but no i brought many outfits and i wore a different thing every single day incredible i know right so was this a trip where you like took time off of work or were you like working simultaneously i took the monday that i got because it was from like a saturday to a sunday basically um like like a saturday to the following following Sunday. sunday yes 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 uh and i took the monday and the friday off interesting so you just work tuesday wednesday thursday yeah because i've been to santa barbara a ton of times um but my friend eva has not been as many times as or like not in the same capacity and she also loves to do nature shit and so does my friend hannah who we were staying with and i was like well then you guys can do that while i work rather than me taking time off from work to go do shit i don't want to do right you know no that makes sense you get it i understand (laughs) yeah that, I mean, that's the thinking when you go on vacation is you're like, do I work? Do I not work? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a ton of work to do. So that was nice. But of course, like one of the days I took off was a day that like people needed shit. And I just had to be like, sorry. sorry. That's really interesting. <laughs> um, I have noticed in my time working for other people that like there's just a lot of shame around taking paid time off specifically in america specifically in america it's not the same in like norway where people are like no like go go yeah they're like literally do anything else do anything else (laughs) please like we beg of you yeah take an hour for lunch and then some take your time usually i'm of the philosophy of like if your job can't survive without you then like they haven't structured their team very well because obviously you can't have someone that's like indispensable like that um but when you're a part of a startup it's it's hard so oh i'm sure yeah i'm sure it is well also in nonprofit theater where everyone has like three different jobs exactly in one job you understand 
if you're gone, like the whole fucking thing falls apart. <laughs> you get it. I understand. Okay, okay. So that's how we've been. Uh, but we also have a horrible story. Oh, yes. We'll set the stage for you, my yeah. dear friends. I'll set the stage for you. So, so Jessica, me. Um, <laughs> wow. I really, I really wanted to like to start going to all of the like fancy restaurants I had been saying that I wanted to go to, but I like keep waiting for occasions. And then my friend Hannah was like, why don't you just make reservations like two months out and then you have surprise dinner reservations every few months. And I was like, that's an amazing idea. Mm-hmm. And then you can just pick a friend to go to go uh-huh. with every time. So I was like, well, I've always wanted to go to Bestia, but I have not had an excuse to go. So I'm just going to make a reservation. Yes. So I make a reservation, but I'm stupid and I make it for a day that I know I'm out of town already. And at first I was like, okay, I'll give it to Monica and Aaron. Mm-hmm. They'll love it. You guys took it, but then you adopted Carrie. <laughs> yeah, we took it, but then we rescued Carrie and we had to stop everything to tend to Correct. her alive. Yes. So I was like, okay. And then I gave it to my friend Devin instead. And he took his sister-in-law and they had an amazing time. Come to find out. <laughs> After the fact. Guess who was at fucking Bestia right behind them, Monica? I know you know, but... <sighs> It was Nicholas fucking Cage right there. Nicholas Cage. Right there. Nick Cage. (sighs) Are you fucking kidding me? Like, Like, not only could it have been me, but on top of that, it then could have been Monica. It could have been either of us or both of us. Or both of us. Correct. And so I'm kind of just sitting here like, of course. No, no, no. Of course. But of course, of course, we were not the ones. Yeah. Of course. Who met Nicholas? Cage. And it happens the week we're recording an episode on none Nicholas other than Cage. Nicholas fucking Cage. Literally slit my throat. We should stop podcasting. We should stop <laughs> podcasting. We should stop breathing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't deserve to live. I don't uh, deserve anything. I'm so upset. Anything that comes on my way, I don't deserve. Gold coins. If you had been there, would you have said something to I him? I don't deserve love. Would what? you have said anything to him if you Of course seen I would him? have. I would have been like, oh my God, Nicholas. <laughs> Nicholas, Nicholas, Nicholas. Nicholas. Just Nick, wait. Nick. Nick. <laughs> Nick. It's really Nick at night. <laughs> it is Nick at night. It's Nick at night. <laughs> it's but, the George Lopez <laughs> show and then the nanny. <laughs> and then Nicholas Cage just comes on and, and monologues then, for hours. And then Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Uh, I watched a I watched a uh, documentary series on Netflix about curse words that Nicolas Cage uh, right. narrated and like hosted. I guess was it good? It was really good, and he did a great job. You know, he, as he, he always does. As he always does. He brought his <laughs> he brought his his like absurdist, spicy good. flavor good. to the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> and we'll talk more and more about that that, that absurdity. <laughs> since that this is who the episode is on in case that wasn't clear you know yeah in case it wasn't like right in front of your fucking face <laughs> uh the the daddy today is none other than nicholas cage, cage. Uh, the one the only <laughs> in case you didn't know member of the coppola family yes 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 we'll get into that yeah the one that we love the most i would say uh, yeah i mean yeah I would say I love him the most, but there's definitely a film bro out there who's like ready to shoot us for saying that. No, he's the best Coppola. Okay. (laughs) The Godfather? Trash. No, trash. (laughs) Sophia Coppola? Trash. The Godfather 2? Trash. Who's the best? (laughs) Nick Cage, baby. (laughs) Nicholas Coppola. Not even a real Coppola? 
like doesn't have the Coppola last name. He does. He just changed it. Oh, to Cage. Yeah, right. To, to Cage. To break away, break out yeah, of the he cage. Did, he wanted to avoid nepotism. Yeah. This is in the bio, so oh maybe I should just tell you about let's him. Ju- let's just hear the bio. Which okay, it, I am saying this is a long bio because there was so much interesting information. Also, okay? we don't act. No, we don't actually think he's the best fucking Coppola. We just think he's Francis Ford Coppola is the best Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola is the best Coppola. He's also the richest, so yeah, 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 yeah. he's the best in our I mean, Nicholas Cage does own an island and like a castle in Germany. Yes, but and also. Francis Coppola. Yes, but and also. Yes, but and also. <laughs> Francis has a whole ass empire. Right, right, right. And a winery. And he so basically. Who's the winner? His family is basically like the Getty family, except the Coppolas. Yeah, it's true. Also, like maybe like some Rothschild action. Sure, sure. Some, sure. If they were like the Fords. Yeah. Or like the, 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 the Carnegies. Yeah. Same shit. The same Huntingtons. Shit. They're a dynasty. They're yeah. a fucking. Did you know that Nikki Hilton married a fucking Rothschild? How yes. insane can you get? That's like, what we call breeding. Are you fucking kidding? Good breeding. They have like their Hermes, <laughs> like throw blankets that have both an R and an H. Right. Rothschild Hilton, Hilton Rothschild. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Gonna argue about what to name the next hotel chain. I know. The Hilton Rothschild. <laughs> like, the, what do we name it? I don't know. Divorce. Money, 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 money. <laughs> It's like that scene in a uh, in uh, the Incredibles, yeah, with that guy in the elevator, and he's like he's like the guy who like covers up all of like the bullshit that happens when Mister Incredible of the Incredibles mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Uh, like destroys people's lives, right? Right. He's what like, does he say? He's like money, 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 money. You can't keep doing this, Bob. And he's like, I know. <laughs> that was a great Craig T. Nelson impression. Thank you. I know. <laughs> My family. I missed our incredible. We just got settled. <laughs> Why? I just unpacked the last Jack. box. No. What are you hungry for, Dash? Oh my God. Not a bad Holly Hunter over here. Thank you. <laughs> Anywho. Okay, back to Nicolas Cage. Nicholas Kim Cope. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's unpack that. Known for a professionally as Nicolas Cage is an American actor and filmmaker. He grew up in Long Beach, California. Shout out. That's where my family lives. <laughs> They're also Coppola's. Oh my God. <laughs> he grew up in Long Beach, California as the low key nephew of none other than Francis Ford Coppola. The low key nephew or like the high key? Like he I mean, was he tried to be low key and then he was not. Oh so. my God. <laughs> he always knew he wanted to be an actor, but also wanted to avoid nepotism. So he changed his name early in his career to Nicolas Cage, inspired by the Marvel superhero, Luke Cage. Isn't that fun? He's a big oh. nerd. Oh my God. <laughs> What the literal fuck? Daddy Cage's film debut was at the age of 17 in a minor role in the 1982 classic Fast Times at Richmond High. I excellent. heard he lied about his age in order to get into the movie. It's an excellent film. Yeah, it's I would what also, an incredible film. I would also lie about my age. So would I. That film. Yeah. Since then, he has appeared in a wide range of films, both mainstream and offbeat, critically acclaimed and box office flops. Truly. He hit his early career stride in the late 80s, early 90s with roles in Moonstruck, Raising Arizona, and Wild at Heart, quickly gaining him critical acclaim and establishing him as one of the greatest actors of his generation. Questionable. (laughs) He got his first Academy Award nomination and only win in 1995 for his performance in Leaving Las Vegas and has, of course, starred in some of all of our favorite films, including Adaptation, Ghost Rider, Face Off, and, of course, National Treasure. Oh, yeah, of course, (laughs) Ghost Rider, one of our favorite films. People, I mean, that was mostly... (laughs) A lie, but also people <laughs> love Ghost Rider because it's so silly. Don't okay, <laughs> Jim Carrey riddle me this: Isn't Ghost Rider like? Isn't it a ride at Six Flags? 
I don't think so. I feel like that's Or maybe right. it is. Like, it's the rickety one. Because it's a one. superhero, right? It's the rickety one, right? No. No. It's not it's the rickety not, one. It's not the wooden one? No. It's not that one? No. If I find out that one it is, One of the wooden gonna... ones is Colossus. No, 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 Oh, no, no, you're no. thinking of the one at Knott's Berry Farm. Oh, Knott's Berry Farm. It's like ghost. I think that yes. one's called Ghost Rider, but I don't think it has anything to do with the motorcycle Ghost Rider film. No, you're right. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, if I find out that it is, I'm coming for you. Though. Okay, okay, you can you can host the whole podcast by yourself. Oh, that? that one is Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah, that one is like Ghost Rider, one word, Ghost Rider. Oh, Ghost Rider. Yeah, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. So <laughs> it's the wooden roller coaster at Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park, California. We love to see it. <laughs> it is located in the Ghost Town section of the park, south of the main entrance. It is the tallest and longest wooden coaster on the West Coast. Wow, of the United States. A lot of coasts happening here coaster on the coast it's <laughs> but genuinely it's the tallest and longest wooden coaster that's cool willem defoe would argue but what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> okay cage has said that he realized he's developed his own method of acting which he describes as nouveau shamanic making the connection between shamans and thespians <laughs> he has also defined his style as german expressionism and in quotes, Western Kabuki. <laughs> he also practices extreme method acting, going as far as pulling his own teeth without anesthesia, spending weeks wrapped in bandages, having hot yogurt poured over his toes, oh my God. and eating exclusively red meat for a period of time. Despite his eccentricities, many critics and well-respected members of Hollywood have nothing but praise for him. One critic said Cage has the, quote, presence of a leading man and the eccentricities of a character actor. <laughs> Ethan Hawke said he's the only actor since Marlon Brando that's actually done anything new with the art. And David Lynch called him the jazz musician of American acting. Oh, yeah, jazz. baby. Jazz. Somehow, I agree with all of this. Some critics say he's an overactor. But he describes his performances as mega acting. Oh, mega acting. <laughs> when Daddy Cage isn't acting and being a cult icon, he's producing and directing his own films, collecting comics, making his own comics with his son Weston, titled <laughs> Voodoo Child, and probably raising his one other child with one of his five wives. As in, he doesn't have five wives. He's been married five times. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please give it up for the wild genius that is Nick Cage. Okay, everyone pause for a second. <laughs> Take a drink of water. Was that the best bio I've ever written? Relax. Yes. yes. <laughs> I cannot believe half of this shit in this bio. Um, the yogurt on the toes happened in a movie we watched for this episode. Which one? So, in Vampire's Kiss, spoiler, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry about it, guys. When he's having a, there's a sex scene with him and Jennifer Beals. Yes, there are, and there I, are multiple, many sex But scenes. I guess to make him appear excited, he asked for hot yogurt to get poured on his toes during the scene. <laughs> no fucking way. Yeah, baby. Oh my God. <laughs> this is better than finding out Ghost Rider is Ghost Rider. <laughs> Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. <laughs> it's, one, it's one word. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Yeah. Not to be confused with Ghost Rider. The, the critically acclaimed film. With <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Starring Nicolas Cage. I, uh, before we begin, I do want to give a fat honorable mention to the National Treasure franchise. Yes, yes, yes. I don't even know if you can call it a franchise because there's only two films. Two. I mean, yeah. It is what it is. It inspired other things, it, I guess. I, I, 
I have such a fondness for these films. Oh, they're amazing. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. And we would have done them, but there were other ones that we there's, had it, to do. There's so many movies. There's movies that he's amazing in that we aren't talking about. There's just, there's a lot going so on. There's too much happening. Yeah, exactly. But Monica, tell us about our first movie. Yes. Vampire's Kiss came out in 1988, written by Joseph Minion, directed by Robert Bierman. Excellent last name. Really good. Beer man. Beer man. Publishing executive Peter Lowe, played by Nicolas Cage, is visited and bitten by a woman he thinks is a vampire and starts exhibiting erratic behavior. He pushes his secretary, Alva, (laughs) (laughs) poor woman, played by Maria Conchita Alonso, to extremes as he tries to come to terms with his delusions. But the vampire woman continues to visit him, and as his madness deepens, it begins to look as if some of the events he's experiencing may actually be hallucinations. This film. This film. Okay, so I nominated this film she mainly did. because I was so unbelievably curious as to like how absurd it was. Yeah. This is the film you see all the memes from. This <laughs> with is the his film face, like all where, with his face, with you know, with the, the eyes, eyes and the kind of the unibrow a little bit. Yeah, where he's like just like. Yeah. That is from this film. And I've been telling Monica for so long she had to see this. <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. That is also from this film. <laughs> Except he does the entire alphabet. Yes, exactly. I stopped at P. <laughs> um, so the all of the good memes are yeah, from yeah, this yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, it's truly an iconic film. I have to say, this movie made me la- like cry laughing. It did, is so fucking funny. Did you feel about it the way that I said <laughs> it would feel by the end of the movie? Where because my experience with this movie the first time I watched it was I was watching it just going like, "There's no fucking way that this is a movie for real." Yeah, like there's no fucking way. Does he not know that he's being that he's insane? Awful? Yeah, like he's doing a terrible job, and then in the last 10 minutes you're like I think he's might be a genius. I think he's brilliant. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And then on the second time watching it, now seeing it through the lens of brilliance, I'm like he's brilliant. This is good shit. This is good shit. Yeah. Um I would recommend everyone watch this movie. 100%. Um especially because like it's so unique. Like this there is no other movie like this. E- literally none. Literally none. <laughs> what was the combination you described it as, Monica? Okay, earlier? so so I sort of came away from it wanting to call it like a a like trio neapolitan flavor of <laughs> twilight uh-huh uh election uh-huh. with reese witherspoon right and what was the third one uh american psycho yes american psycho <laughs> so if you mashed all those movies together uh-huh that's this movie yeah i don't disagree with that like Especially it has the american psycho part and it has like the black comedy of election and like mm-hmm. the absurdity of election but and also the like the shit acting from like twilight from the rest of the party uh-huh. <laughs> like where <laughs> there's so much staring in this movie there's so much like there's so much of Nicolas Cage, like, sort of, like, clicking his jaw. Yeah. This man, like, okay, so Nicolas Cage is, like, really amazing at making himself look, like, out of place. Yes. And, like, I guess adapting himself to the, like, demands of awkwardness of a character. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because, like, Nicolas Cage, at least when he was younger, I mean, he looks fine now, but, like, he was a rather attractive young man. Oh, totally. But he so quickly <laughs> made himself, like... <laughs> 
unattractive. The portrait of eccentricity. Yeah. That, like I said in that quote earlier, where it's like he's he has like the character of a leading man, but he's just like a character actor. He's an yeah, eccentric, exactly. And this movie is where it shines. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of his absurd style of acting, where you know <laughs> this this mega acting, if you will, the line delivery, the line delivery, like. <laughs> if you if you read in the script am i getting through to you alva right like yeah. oh am i getting through to you alva yeah is usually probably what people would say but that's not what he said no. that's not how he said it he said am i getting through to you alva and he puts his head down and his and finger in the plays. air like saturday night fevering it <laughs> am i getting the ready alva it is truly a monstrosity <laughs> Poor Alva. The entire movie, she's like getting fucking harassed by her boss, which would not fly in this era of Me Too, sir. No, there. I mean, I mean, fair warning. There is a rape scene in this movie. Yeah. So, so massive warning to you all out there. Yeah. Uh, if you are going to be watching this film, there, there is, there is one very disturbing scene. Correct. Uh, I don't think. <laughs> I like I don't think it's a good thing but I do like that at least they acknowledged it yes. like his character acknowledged that he did this thing and that it was very bad yes I was like oh that's shocking for a film from 1988 yeah. for the character to acknowledge it and being like aren't oh, I a piece of garbage I'm I did scum. this thing I am scum yeah I am scum of earth hear me roar exactly yeah but anyway in this film there there's a fake bat <laughs> there's overacting Mega there are acting. mega acting. Sorry, there's mega acting. There are <laughs> mimes slapping each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't take this film seriously. No, and like the vampire woman is Jennifer Beals, who, if you've ever seen Flashdance, yeah, she's the woman from Flashdance. She's the woman from Flashdance, and she is one of the women in like the L word, I believe. Is she? Yeah, she's like the she's like a lead on the L word. She's like um that, but okay. She's the one with the curly hair, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> on the L word. Uh I'm wondering what else is she in? She's done other she's stuff. Done but other she's done other stuff. She's not like huge anymore. She's not huge anymore, but she was huge in like in like this era oh, slash yeah early 2000s she was huge yeah um and she had great fangs in this movie she had great fake fangs in this movie <laughs> she was constantly dressed like a dominatrix i mean because that's kind of it was kind of like a like a bdsm dynamic between them in a very weird odd way. she basically was like the jealous mistress the entire movie yeah where if he so much as like looked at another woman or like gave attention to another woman she would like come out in the darkness of the night mm -hmm. and go like i'm a jealous mistress ah, here I'm are my fangs time to feed time to suck your blood a big question mark in this movie is whether or not she's actually real and whether mm -hmm. or not like his entire fantasy of being a vampire is real yeah uh because you know the first indication that you have that something is like going crazy in this film is a the bat flies into the room this yes. fake ass bat <laughs> fake ass bat so fake like so stupid mm -hmm. and he like admits to his therapist that he's like turned on by the presence of the bat and yeah. like and like oh yeah fighting it was like top notch it really got me going <laughs> he says really hot you know <laughs> you know <laughs> That's how he talks through the whole, through movie. The whole movie. And when I first saw it, I was like, this is awful. He's terrible. And then I was like, no, he made an insane choice. <laughs> and he has 
<laughs> committed. Nicholas Cage has committed to this bit that he created. Literally nobody asked him for this. He created the bit. He committed to the bit knowing that this could potentially, like this is a career ending performance. And yet the man bounced back and w- won an Oscar. <laughs> like guys, this is unheard of. Guys, guys, guys. <laughs> I don't think you understand. This is a man who can commit every cell in his body to this role, to any role, but he's had five wives. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised on that one. He doesn't seem like he's super good at like relationships and shit. He's only good. He's only committed to acting. Yeah. I mean, when you really think about it, like how much do you really know about Nicolas Cage's private life? And then I, when I was Googling him, I realized that he doesn't talk about like literally anything because he has said in interviews, he's like, I won't tell you what my political preferences are. I won't talk, talk about religion. I won't talk about any of these things because all of these things could influence how you view a character I play. Oh my God. And I'm like, you know what influences that more? Like your performance in Vampire Skits. That really influences. <laughs> that, that influences everything. It's yeah. just it's just crazy, especially when you think about Nicolas Cage and, you know, Nicolas Cage is a huge name in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So to see him in a movie like Vampire's Kiss and see him do the things that he did in this movie, many of them, many of them being like really embarrassing if you were to look back at it now. Yeah. Uh, he, he has balls. Yes. He has fucking balls. He, he will go down in history as one of the bravest and most insane actors of our time. Yes. And, and that's, Correct. and that's facts, yeah. right? You know, in his bio, when the things that the, the things that the critics and like fellow actors are saying about him mm-hmm. is abs- is absolutely true. Yeah. It's, he is so willing to like risk it for the biscuit mm-hmm. <laughs> that it oftentimes just like sometimes <laughs> the biscuits get burned well that's why he has said openly like in interviews he's like i've started taking like indie films or like shit films who that have nobody attached to them because i don't want to be confined by the commercial aspect of bigger budget movies and i just want to be able to do my own shit and i'm like okay interesting choice that you're not making your own films and instead going and finding like these nothing films to star in (laughs) uh which really quick sidebar he's starring in a new film called pig Pig. heard it's amazing heard it's incredible we really wanted to watch it and streamable and do it for this for this episode but it is not streamable you have to go do it and quite frankly with miss delta we just have no desire fan no desire to go to the i mean apparently there are variants all the way up through like lambda or some shit and none of them are good damn is it like alpha delta beta delta and beta i think are the worst oh my god or did i say alpha delta alpha beta, beta delta there's a c, a, b, c d, e, f, g. <laughs> am i getting through you alpha <laughs> anyway 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 back to nick <laughs> back to nicholas um i i get the american psycho I don't even think that there are American Psycho influence in this, influences in this movie. When was American Psycho made? Before Bro, or after? I think, I think in like the right 90s. After. Like, yeah. I think it was made in like 91. This might have low-key been an influence on that. Because Bro. there is the whole aspect of like, is this really happening or is this a hallucination? Is this an expression of like someone going through like mental yeah. decline? Because that's my interpretation of the movie is that he, for some reason he's like going insane. 
Bro, American Psycho came out in 2000. I 2000? Have, yeah, I have to strongly believe that this movie somehow, some way, consciously or subconsciously, got a lot yeah. of um, a lot of direction or like inspiration from vampire's kiss yeah i would guess that main reason being vampire's kiss does something really well that i don't think gets done well again until american psycho and hasn't been done well again for for a little while yeah after is this the suspension of disbelief for the audience member you're thrust into this like world that's a little bit off Mm -hmm. where you're kind of like well this is like modern day well modern day in the 80s right uh, as modern day as you can get in 1988. It's 1988. It's, it's present 1988. day 1988. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's something off about the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that it's shot is a little bit like every, every angle is a little off. It's a little too high. It's a little like, it's a little bit to the side. Yeah. There's like one scene in particular in towards the beginning of the film where, uh, you know, a bat fucking flies <laughs> in. <laughs> this fake bat. And it's like kind of cut off a little bit at the... It, Mm-hmm. in the frame and the bat like sort of swoops down <laughs> and Nicolas Cage just looks up at it like longingly. He got excited. Um, But you don't know if any of it is real. No. You know, there's a scene where Nicolas Cage is like shaving and, and he, there is no visible vampire fang bite mm-hmm. on his neck. The night before we are led to believe that Jennifer Beals like fucking sucked <laughs> his blood. Yep. Uh, but then the next morning, she's not there. He's like handing coffee to like an invisible an, person yeah, to nobody, and it's like shaking because that's a choice. Uh huh. <laughs> I was I like that instead of just holding it and dropping it or he having went, it hold and levitate, he just starts shaking. He just, it. But it's completely still. Uh huh. And then a beat happens, and he goes shake. Yeah, because if they made one of the either choices, then that would be the answer to is this real or not? Exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> so so you, you know he goes over to like start his morning routine and he's like shaving his face right and there's no visible vampire bite but then he like nicks himself on the neck in mm-hmm. the spot where the vampire bite is supposed to be and so he's like bleeding from it and he puts a bandit on it and he has it on basically for the rest of the movie yeah and that's where jennifer beals continues to like fee- feed from I exactly guess. but he always has the bandaid on so we never see the wound like we never see if it's two dots or if it's like a, right. the slash mark from the razor like we just never see it um and you as the audience member are like what the fuck is going on is nicholas cage insane or am i insane like please tell me what is this chicken fight that's happening right now in the pool can someone get off right can someone get pushed off now please because as soon as he gets quote-unquote bitten it's just like a swift decline physically for him and mentally mostly mentally but also physically like he becomes very sickly very unwell he eats like pigeons yeah and he like drinks blood and shit it's really scary and every time he like walks outside Uh someone's like sir (laughs) and like (laughs) catches him because he's like fallen yeah and he's just like (gasps) he's like apparently he's doing like he literally was doing an impression of nosferatu from the movie fucking Uh, way (laughs) yeah so whenever he's walking with like his wide eyes with the fangs that's him doing a nosferatu impression and when i read that i was like the man is brilliant the shit is brilliant he's a fucking genius he's a genius that whole like i think like the last 25 minutes is when the movie kind of gets kind of real because he does commit like a real murder whether or not like 
him being a vampire is supposed to be real or not. He does kill somebody. Yes. And he also rapes Alpha. Yes. So like shit has gotten real. And then his mental state is so cloudy to the point where like he thinks he's talking to his therapist, but he's actually just on the street, like covered in blood and rambling. And that's where you kind of get to the heart of the movie of like this. This is actually kind of it's very sad because it's someone in such deep distress. Like he literally was asking Alva to kill him. He's like, get me out of my misery. And she's like, fuck no, get away from me. Yeah. Like it gets very dark. It gets like too real at the end. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I think a lot of the, the mega acting and a lot of the absurdity is there to sort of like, kind of like the you know, side of hand or slide of hand or whatever, right. where it's like showing you something with one hand and then doing something with the other. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very effective tool because towards the end you're committed, mm-hmm. you're on this train, yeah. it hooked you completely. And now you're at the end and you're fucking heartbroken for these characters because you're like, I see what it's trying to say. Like I understand what it's trying to do. And it has a lot to say about specifically mental illness yes. and like the mental decline of an overworked man, because mm-hmm. a lot of it is like very eighties, right? Uh, works really hard all day is like, is like a fucking shark during the day. Um, works, works way too much, makes a lot of money is only focused on making money. And then at night is like clubbing, sleeping with women, like doing all of this yeah. destructive behavior and no one cares. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't have anyone in his life that like gives a shit enough to check in or to right. say like, how are you? And so him being by himself this whole time, but still seeking help in the form of therapy, whether or not that was real or not, like he was trying to like say, hey, like there's something wrong with me. Yeah. But no one was paying attention. Nobody. And so he he ended up alone mm-hmm. alone and sad on the streets <laughs> on the streets yelling rambling covered in blood <laughs> apparently when they shot that they like did it from really far away and just used like a really long lens mm-hmm. so that nobody would know that they were shooting a movie oh well can you imagine <laughs> encountering uh, that on the street that would be so too the much. people he like walks up to and they like run away from him and scream are apparently just real pedestrian oh my god it's the same as like in elf <laughs> When they like didn't have enough money for extras, so they literally just sent Will Ferrell out like wow. on the street. John Favreau. John Favreau was directly influenced by vampires. Dude, okay, so Elf directly <laughs> direct influenced by Vampire's Kiss. American Psycho direct, direct influenced by Vampire's Kiss. Point to a movie. I'll tell you how many degrees it is from Vampire's Whiplash. Kiss. Whiplash. Whiplash. Highly influenced by Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> La La Land, yeah. it's identical. It's literally to the same. Kiss. Just take the vampire out. It's the same movie. It's the same shit. It's all about delusions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, but these, the commitment that Nicolas Cage had to these hallucinations, yeah. whether or not like we believe that they were real or whether or not we believe that they were, were indeed hallucinations, right. he managed to sort of like grip us by the neck and like squeeze until we either gasp for air or like ask him to stop basically mm-hmm. we're basically like oh okay yeah <laughs> like you keep doing what you're doing i guess we're just yeah. gonna sit here in fucking silence oh wait i forgot how it ended for a minute because we were like oh he's just left on the streets alone and then i remembered he literally gets murdered oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> so he gets murdered in the end he gets murdered by like alva's brother i think yes. it is because again, with every right, I mean, he's fucking harassing Alva the Correct. entire yes, time. Yes, he assaults her, and she's like, mm, "We need to kill my boss." I yeah. don't think she actually says that, but you uh, know what I mean. Yeah. And the brother goes and 
stabs him with like a wooden stake yeah which is very appropriate exactly you know and there's a lot of like uh vampire kind of imagery throughout the movie like there's this blue neon cross that he sort of like comes up to and then faints over like it's too much for him (gasps) to be in the presence of this neon cross yep yep uh and then obviously like with the wooden stake he's killed hard to tell whether or not that was coincidental whether or not like he just had a wooden stake and killed him i think it was a meaningful coincidence in the sense that like alba's brother didn't know he was a vampire so he just picked up the wood but it's supposed to be like symbolic to us you know what i mean it's symbolic to us because this whole whole time we're like is he or isn't he a vampire vampire. even though he has the teeth say it vampire the moment the moment where he goes to buy the teeth but the ones that look real are too expensive so he buys the plastic one instead is one of the funniest things <laughs> like that was a choice in this movie they could have just let him have the better ones <laughs> but no he doesn't have enough cash so he has to buy the plastic ones and he wears them for the rest of the movie like unironically he wears so good oh god God. honestly we're gonna be real with you i have no idea what it's actually doing right no but i do know that it has something really meaningful to say about about mental illness which we talked about earlier sure and also like being alone and like you're and and in your own head and how harmful that can be sure when you don't reach out when you just like push everyone away mm-hmm. um and also you know a violence against women yeah has bad. consequences not good not good bad bad praying bad. praying on people not good <laughs> <Yeah>. bad <laughs> Nosferatu impressions, not good, bad. Actually, so, I think that's good. That's good. We should all do those. It's like Wreck-It Ralph. It's like, <laughs> I'm good, but I'm not bad. I'm bad, but I'm not whatever. And everything's, you know, good. I'm bad and that's good. Yeah. 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 That one where he's like fucking <laughs> flying through the air. He's like, I'm fucking, I'm bad, I bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was Vampire's Kiss. That was Vampire's Kiss excellent film i swear to god like <laughs> so so if you're it. alive if you have a pulse watch mm-hmm. this movie i believe it's free on peacock it that's is where i watched it oh uh, i watched it on pluto tv oh pluto that's what yeah I it's, it's i don't think it is on peacock actually i meant to say pluto yeah so it's free on pluto it, i will say it does have ads so and quite a few <laughs> quite a few so if you can sit through it as if you're watching like from from the olden times like when you would watch something on cable tv yeah break for you know pause for commercial break yeah except they tend to play the same commercial every time yeah that's true it it gets a little annoying (laughs) after a while okay now we go to the next film the award winner yeah of the three the one the The one (laughs) she loves it (laughs) doggo approve this is leaving las vegas came out in my birth year 1995 Written and directed by Mike Figgis, based on the novel by John O'Brien. Ben Sanderson, played by Nicolas Cage, a Hollywood screenwriter who lost everything because of his alcoholism, arrives in Las Vegas to drink himself to death. There he meets and forms an uneasy friendship, romance, and non-interference pact with Sarah, played by Elizabeth Shue, a local sex worker. They decide to live together for whatever time they have left together, but it ultimately proves more difficult for Sarah as she watches Ben deteriorate. Woof. This movie is so sad this movie is heartbreaking i knew it would be sad i knew it was about alcoholism etc but i mean i've said this about like drug movies i was like yeah they don't usually make me that sad i this is sad it's really sad especially <laughs> because nicholas cage sort of gives his all right yeah because he is not just like 
broken, he's mm-hmm. like fucking beyond repair. Mm-hmm. So you know how in a lot of these movies, you know, characters will will come out, you know, guns blazing, like I I will not change. I am who I am. Like I, I'm gonna fucking kill myself to you know if I I'm gonna keep doing this thing, and if you say that I'm gonna kill myself, then I, it's gonna happen, and that's blah blah blah. It, right, right. But I think there's something to be said about that version of you being broken, but then there's another version of you that is like beyond repair, Mm -hmm. which is where Nicolas Cage's person character is in that. That's, that is the Valley that he is in. Well, it's also, and that's, that's a really hard movie to watch because there aren't a lot of movies like that where from the beginning, you know that like, so this character is going to die. This character is destined for death. Yeah. And that's not a spoiler because that's his whole point. He goes to Las Vegas to drink himself to death. Like that's his thing. And he literally tells this woman, like, I will move in with you. I'm falling in love with you, but you cannot ask me to stop drinking. And I refuse to, and I will die here. And you're just like, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He, he makes this pact with this, um, with this lady of the night. (laughs) Uh, named Sarah, whose name spelling eludes me. S-E-R-A. What the hell? I read something about how it's supposed to allude to like K-Sarah, like whatever will be, will be. Sure. Okay. All right, guys. But all right. All right, guys. Whatever. Yeah, so we'll go with that story as to why. That's how her name is spelled, Okay, cool. Uh, (laughs) And he makes his pact with her to like not fucking interfere with his Mm -hmm. plans of death. Yeah. Which essentially involves him drinking a series of alcoholic beverages until he is literally passed out and is slowly killing himself. To my understanding, the way that alcohol slowly kills you is it like attacks your liver. Yeah. You get cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah. And then you, the rest of your like system start to shut down. Like, yeah, you're always dehydrated. And so your, your body never has enough water in it. Your brain doesn't have enough oxygen going to it. Right. it, it like everything is like a slow deterioration. I think I think that is usually like lifelong alcoholics mm-hmm. because it eventually like leads to multiple organ failure because your liver is dead. I think with him, it's supposed to be like he has had so much. It's like toxic alcohol poisoning mm-hmm. because his body can't function anymore. <laughs> well, because his body cannot filter it yeah. out as fast as it as fast as he is drinking right it, so basically. he just goes unconscious and then dies yeah so that's oh, what ends up happening. it's very sad but i will say his performance in this movie is like very heartbreaking and also very startling as it but like that's the thing i love about him is that i think he surprises you with every single movie oh 100 like playing an alcoholic is so overplayed in the movies like it's very hard to make that new and like interesting mm-hmm. of like, I'm Alec and I'm, I'm an alcoholic and I have so much self pity and I'm dying the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow he really like, I don't know for me, at least he really like shocked me because even through all of this, he still has like his humor and his crazy moments and he still keeps himself, which is why he's able to like, I get, I guess, get this woman. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess that's why she's enchanted by him for like, some reason. fall in love with this woman. Exactly. And, like, keep her. Yeah. And have her be kind and gentle enough to agree to this. I like, mean, I was just waiting for her to be like, no, I'm taking you to a hospital. I'm taking you to uh, rehab, et cetera. But, like, she never does. She never does it. And I think a, a big part of it is, like, she has enough compassion to know that this is a man at the end of his rope. And the only way that she the only thing her interfering is going to prove is that she's being 
more selfish. Yeah. Right? Because his true desire, his genuine desire is to not be alive. Yeah. Right? And to just drink forever. Right. right? And I think a, a, a big part of that is her coming to terms with herself and like mm-hmm. her her place in this world and like the fact that she's constantly serving other people and what right. that means like what does it mean to be always be of service to in service of or a commodity for mm-hmm. other people because she she is a sex worker mm-hmm. um and her body her her agency sometimes because this this unfortunately she gets into a lot of like sticky situations where she is no longer in control of her own situation. Right. And people end up taking advantage and abusing her. Mm -hmm. And she's always giving herself up for other people. And so I wonder how, or at the end of the movie, you sort of wonder how Nicolas Cage's character helped her sort of realize that like she's her own person and like people around her will die or try and take advantage of her or, or be stubborn. And if her first instinct is to think of the other person, like she sort of just needs to rearrange that for herself in her own brain, because compassion is only compassion until it's hurting you. Yeah. And I I think that that's what this movie is about in general. It's about like being selfless, treating others gently Mm -hmm. because of their circumstances. Um, And like similarly to the character of an alcoholic, like the character of a sex worker with like a heart of gold is also terribly overplayed. Yeah. But both of these people are coming at it from such a place of honesty, Mm -hmm. which we talk about a lot and I guess can kind of get old, but like it it really is true. Like these people are so matter of fact about their circumstances, especially Nicolas Cage. Like he's so factual about his despair Mm -hmm. in a way where like, you know that there isn't an option for him. No. Like you're not told because the whole thing is like he had a wife and a son, but he doesn't anymore. And in the movie, you're not told how he lost them, mm-hmm. but in the book, his wife leaves him because of his alcohol right. problems. But in yeah. the movie, like you don't know that they could have died. Very no ambiguous. Idea. Yeah, exactly. But all you do know is like this man doesn't have any other choices. And for some reason you accept that even though like, you know, logically there would be other choices. Yeah. But he makes it like, not even a question, which I think is a real feat, especially in a movie where like the, the circumstances of the movie are very dark, but the mood is not very dark. Does no, that make sense? It's kind of like, it, it's really funny because in a way it's almost like Las Vegas. It's yeah. very like smoke and mirrors uh-huh. and like, it can be very sad. Like if you walk in, you either find someone crying because they lost all their money gambling or mm-hmm. drinking or doing this or that, or you find people in tremendous superficial joy. Like I get to sleep with this person. I won this slot machine. I am drunk. I'm having a good time. Like Mm -hmm. it's very smoke and mirrors with like, you know, an ugly underbelly, which is literally Las Vegas. Like that is what it is. I mean, like people literally go there to like blow all of their money and then die. Like this is, this is not like a new thing. That is literally (laughs) a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's actually a plot point in that new show hacks where like Hannah Einbinder's character is in Las Vegas working for her boss. And she is um, like in cahoots with this guy who's like, just living a carefree lifestyle. Yeah. And like, they basically have like a great night together and he's like buying her all these drinks and she goes up to his hotel room and he's like in the the most gorgeous suite ever. And like, she can't believe it. And then in the morning or something, she like, she goes to get coffee. She goes to get coffee and comes back and he had jumped out of the window Yep, and the cops tell her like, Oh, well he was on the run. Like he like blew all of his money here in Las Vegas and like, 
mm-hmm. and like was going to die because God. he was in all of this. I think debt. I think he like robbed people or something. Like yeah, fraud. He or had some like shit. committed yeah. crime having to do with money. So like people do this. It is a common thing. But I think in this movie specifically, it sort of te- it, it, it sort of like teaches you that every circumstance is incredibly different right and i think for nicholas cage the more mystery about the why the better and the more interesting his character actually ended up being Mm -hmm. because i knew nothing about his character all i knew was he had this immense conviction this like passion Mm -hmm. for death and for drinking yeah and i had like no i had no other knowledge well he does a it's a really fascinating transition that like you kind of don't realize it until it's already happened where he's like he's very pitiful and you're like genuinely embarrassed for him for the first i think like 20 minutes of this movie or so like he's doing some pretty frustrating things and like everyone is pissed off at him and nobody wants to help him until he goes and he meets Sarah and then somehow by meeting her he's less pitiful even though he's now committed to death but like I think that's why because he's committed to dying rather than trying to stay afloat and keep his addiction going at the same time Mm -hmm. and that's just chaos and embarrassment all around and it's hurting other people but this it's like it's not hurting anybody except himself exactly and if he can get her to accept that which she does then everything will be fine and then there are like really lovely moments that he gets to have as a result of that yeah and there's this quote which i just quickly looked up because i will never in a million years remember it (laughs) unless i do that um But he, when Nicolas Cage's character and Sarah, I think his his character's name is actually Ben. His name is Ben. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ben Sanderson. Yeah, like in National Treasure. (gasps) (laughs) Canon? Uh, Yes, (laughs) this is all part of the same universe. Good, good, good. Um, So he, you know, looks over at Sarah, who is like essentially trying to understand like what he's doing in Mm -hmm. Vegas and like why he's acting the way that he's acting. And he goes, um, uh, or Sarah asks him is drinking a way of killing yourself. And his response to that is, or is killing myself a way of drinking. And so it's, it's in the same, again, influenced by vampires kiss. (gasps) It's in that same universe (laughs) of like, we don't know what the truth is is we don't know if it's because he's trying to kill himself or because he's trying to feed his addiction like uh, and and to your point like just not live with trying to tackle it all yeah i mean i think he would rather die like death is indulgence for him yeah and alcohol is like the peak of his indulgence so at this point is in his addiction like they're synonymous which is it's very like symbiotic relationship yeah it's and it's really frightening to know that someone could get to that point um people have gotten to that point exactly but i do also appreciate that like like i said before that this moment movie still has like weirdly darkly humorous moments and like weirdly light moments like when he packs up to go to Sarah's apartment and he's trying to shut his suitcase and he can't cause there's too many bottles of alcohol in yeah. it and he can't fit his clothes. And you're just like, this shit is hilarious, but also so sad. sad. It's like, <laughs> it's like t- the most intense kind of black comedy. 
Yeah, like, it really is. Finding humor in something that is so desperate and and heartbreaking that it is, it's just like, it's the most human thing you could possibly think of is like having a nice chuckle at this fucking terrifying situation. Yeah, well, and then- like it's because it's because that's how real life is. Like we have to laugh at the most insane dark shit. Otherwise we'll literally die. Exactly. I mean, he's literally trying to he, die. Yes, exactly. He obviously very much succeeds, but like to the end, the absurdity just gets like, it just completely snowballs because Nick Cage in any movie is going to be fucking absurd. Yeah. And that's, but that's the flavor that this movie was going for. Mm-hmm. It's like, Let's keep raising the stakes. Let's keep raising the bar until you either laugh or cry. And we genuinely don't care what the response is. Yeah, because the la- the ending of the movie gets like pretty wild. Like, because they have a lot of lighter moments towards yeah. the end. Um, like they go shopping in the mall together mm-hmm. and he's like really great, except for that part in the cafeteria where he says some really weird shit to her about some yeah. earrings. He says some really, really, really <laughs> weird shit to her about the earrings. But like he's on the escalator and and she's like upstairs and she's like, hey, and he's going down and he's like, oh, like it's he's, very He like cute. loves his outfit and then they go like swimming together at her apartment building and they're like making out under the water and it's a beautiful underwater shot. But then- also, he like freaks out and breaks the table and then she gets kicked out of her building and it's like, like it ke- they give you the light and then they take you right back down. Yeah. And it's really like it throws you and you just keep going like, I don't know what to think. Even up until the very fucking ending where he's dying and he calls her to her to his room because she kicked him out because he was behaving badly. Um, and he's dying and they have sex and it's really strange but it's it's very awkward and almost funny mm-hmm. it's almost funny it's almost funny and you're like this is really dark shit but like it's also incredibly passionate and like very loving like i i find that moment very loving and i feel like a lot of people would watch it and be like this is fucking weird it is as loving <laughs> as it is awkward as it is pitiful exactly it is all three things yeah it, this movie just keeps like misdirecting you but then you kind of go like this is just kind of like what grief and horrible things are like it's all of these things all at once all the time it is a conglomerate of many emotions oh it's so hard so <laughs> that is leaving las vegas yeah i i mean i think it's one of his best performances ever it's fucking hard to watch but yeah, you know it's what are you really do? hard to watch and nicholas cage just gives a fucking stellar Mm -hmm. committed heartbreaking performance he does so much physical acting in this because you know he's he's constantly shaking and constantly frail because of his alcoholism yeah to the point where like he's at the bank and he like can't sign a check yeah and he has to feign like i think he said like i had brain a brain tumor i had a brain surgery yeah i had oh i had brain surgery (laughs) like he's funny like he's funny in this movie um and he and so he does so much with his body and it's fucking heartbreaking and the de- deterioration throughout the movie is fucking he commits yeah he commits he commits so, and that's why he got an oscar and that's why he got the fucking yeah. oscar so and why he did it and uh, no to answer your question he did not leave las vegas he literally never left yeah i mean i guess he left his physical body i guess but if you believe such things <laughs> Well, Monica, what's the next movie? You mean the last movie? Yeah. The last one. We're really raising the bar here. It's fucking nuts, man. Okay. 
I have to preface this by saying this is probably one of my least favorite movies of all time, but I can also respect the shit out of it. And it is called Mandy. <laughs> I remember, what did I text you that night when I watched it? I said, like, I hate everything that's going on, yes. but he's amazing. Yes, and that's literally exactly what you, what you said. Uh, so our next film is Mandy, came out in 2018, written by Panos Kosmatos. I don't know. Cosmatos? Cosmatos? Is he Greek? I would guess he's Greek. Yeah, that sounds Greek. Yeah. Written by Panos Kosmatos or Cosmatos. Yeah. Or Cosmatos. Either one. Uh, And take any. And Aaron Sturdan, directed by Panos Kosmatos or Cosmatos or uh, the other one I said. Yeah. (laughs) Taking place in 1982, Red, played by Nicolas Cage, is a lumberjack. No, seriously, a lumberjack. Literally. (laughs) <laughs> who lives in a secluded cabin in the woods with his fantasy artist girlfriend, Mandy. Yes, literally, fantasy. Are, can you, are you guys following? Yes, thank you. <laughs> she does fantasy paintings. Uh, played by Andrea Riseborough. I think it's Andrea Riseborough. Andrea Riseborough. <laughs> <laughs> One day, she catches the eye of a crazed cult leader, played by Linus Roche. Or Roche. Honestly, I'm, I've given up at this point. <laughs> who conjures a group of motorcycle riding demons to kidnap her. Demons? Question mark? Mm, I don't know. We'll find out. Red, armed with a crossbow and axe, stops at nothing to get her back, leaving a bloody, brutal pile of bodies in his wake. Gore. Oh, Mandy. Oh, Mandy. <laughs> this movie is um movie fucking is insane. Bad shit. Like it's bad shit. Uh, <laughs> everyone's on drugs in this movie. This movie is about drugs in a lot of ways. <laughs> this movie, ha- this movie has it all. This movie has horror. Gore. It has romance. Gore. It has magical realism. Some Gore. could say <laughs> because Al the Gore. whole time here. Let me. Oh, I feel like we need to fully explain what happens in this movie. Albert Gore. <laughs> He's not in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Nicolas Cage, who is appropriately named Red, because there's so much red in this oh movie. Oh my god, there's so much red in this so movie. So much red in he, this movie. He is covered in blood like five thousand times throughout this Correct. movie. Correct. Like yeah. we're talking head to toe covered in blood. Mm-hmm. I would say about eighty mm, percent of this movie. Red be red, guys. Red be red. Anyway, so Red and his girlfriend, wife, Mandy. I don't fucking know, partner, Mandy. Let's who, just call her his wife. She's very ghoulish. Um, I would say <laughs> oh do you not think she looks like a ghoul oh i do think she looks like a okay ghoul. just checking so she's rather ghoulish um and she works in some store i don't fucking know she reads a lot of fantasy novels and does fantasy painting she's a fantasy artist and so like fantasy imagery plays a really big part in the movie and it's you're always like, kind of like is this real is this drugs i don't know is this fake it's also like a giant 80s like throwback correct confusing yeah so they're in the woods one day uh mandy's walking around looking like a ghoul and a van passes and it's this cult and they're all crazy and they uh take lsd through their eyes which is really fun oh my god liquid lsd in their eyes and the cult leader is basically like that woman i need her Mm -hmm. and instead of fucking kidnapping them herself or kidnapping her themselves they summon a biker gang that lives somewhere in the woods and they're all scary and they're all wearing like various versions of like gimp costumes. Yeah, basically. And you're like, are these fantastical creatures or are these real people? And you find out that they are real people. They were like a group of people who like had a bad reaction to drugs. Yeah, basically they were a group of people who like 
there was a version of LSD created in the mm-hmm. lab, and they were given this version of LSD that did not act, like wasn't may have not actually been LSD, right? And so they were never like mentally the same since then. Yeah, and they became cannibals, and they became literal actual literal cannibals. biker murderer cannibals. They do. There's like some disgusting imagery that you see with them specifically, and they kidnap Mandy for this cult and the cult gives them uh, like a round child not an actual child he's like 20 but like a round man as a sacrifice or as payment and then Nicolas Cage is like I must get Mandy back and that's that's the movie that's what we're working with that's the entire focus of the movie except she spoiler Mandy dies in front of Nicolas Cage she gets Burned, burned alive burned alive in a bag you watch her in squirming a around in a bag burning in a bag oh marge <laughs> burning in a bag oh marge um so you watch her burning in a bag and he's like screaming he has been placed on like a cross he's like crucified essentially nicholas cage is to force they're forcing him to watch this happen and i think I don't know if he like he knows for sure it's her, right? Because we as the audience were like not totally sure that no, it's bro, her. No, bro, it's her. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking her. I mean, uh, yes, yes. You're you're we're not totally sure at that point if it's her. Right. It's heavily implied that it is her, but we do not see like a, a real body. Yeah, because it, all the plot summaries say that like he's trying to get her back, but I was like, I'm pretty sure he's just trying to avenge her death unless he also doesn't know for sure. No, I think it's I think it's a lot of it is avenge. He's yeah. an avenger. Yeah. And he he makes this insane axe. <laughs> this like insane axe because he has like this bow. So he gets it from this guy who's in this trailer. Yeah, there's like a man in a trailer who it's knows right things. after the scene, which is the best scene in the entire movie, which is he is in this very 70s, 80s looking bathroom with this gorgeous orange wallpaper. Amazing. And I love he's standing in his underwear, he's standing in his underwear. He had just been crucified. So he has like bloody. he has like wounds on his hands yeah. and his like feet, his legs. Like he has a bunch of fucking wounds. And he has it's like I think it's like a bottle of vodka. And he is downing that fucking bottle and screaming and pouring it on his wounds to uh-huh. sterilize them. And he's going, ah the whole fucking time. He's just ah he's finally at a place where he can like sit his ass down on the toilet. Yeah. But then he just he just gutturally screams. Yeah. It's at like, the camera. It, this is the okay, so Nicolas Cage doesn't say a lot in this movie. Like no. I think it's like 40 minutes in until he actually like has real screen time. Yeah. And then it, he's like, he's just a man of few words. And then he just starts screaming. But and like what I watched this with two friends and while I was watching I was like Nicolas Cage is amazing. And they were like why is he screaming? And I was like because like this is the first moment where he he knows he's safe, kind of, because he's in his own home. Yeah. And he is finally able to, like, kind of process what's going on. Yeah. And so, like, he just starts screaming. But it's, like, for a myriad of reasons. It's, like, okay, I'm screaming because this is just fucking happening in general. I'm screaming because I'm in pain. I'm screaming because my wife was just burned alive in front of me. So, it's, like, grief, pain, mourning, sadness, shock. It's literally everything. And every time he screams, it's different. But it's, like, animalistic. And it's amazing. And you're just watching and you're, like, oh, my God. You know, it's like that acting exercise that actors do where it's like they take a word and they try and say it a million different ways. Like yeah. figure out how many emotions you can put into one word uh-huh. or like one sentence. It's the same thing with each scream. He took it and 
put like infuse different meaning different emotion a different intention with every single scream and it is heartbreaking to watch yeah especially because they film it on handheld oh my god and so it's amazing so it like gets up in his face while he's screaming and the camera's like rocking back and forth and you're just like this is raw shit this is crazy and he's amazing and the bathroom is gorgeous (laughs) (laughs) lovely aesthetic love the blood the way it bounces off of that mustard yellow you know Those fluorescent lights, man. I'm going to take that as inspo photos for when I build my dream house. Interest. Mandy. <laughs> also, wait, can I acknowledge for a second that the title card of this movie comes in at an hour 15? It comes in literally like one hour, 15 minutes. Uh-huh. Finally, Mandy. <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> the pacing of this movie is crazy. Like it's not, well, I'm not saying it's too fast or too slow. I mean, it's like chopped up in a weird fucking way. It's very unconventional, which is why I can't be like, I hate this movie because I'm like, I have mad fucking respect for this movie. Mad respect. Especially because the filmmaker, apparently when he was asked what the film was about, he was like, it's about the death of my parents. And I'm like, what? Where? <laughs> what? But okay, whatever you say. Also, there's a cheddar goblin. Mm-hmm. Best part of the movie. Yeah. Best part of the whole fucking true <laughs> best part of the movie. Uh, what I love about this movie is Red and Mandy, Nicolas Cage and, and his wife, love. I don't know what the fuck she is. Person. Par- partner. His partner. Um, <laughs> him and his wife spend the majority of the first half of the movie just like all the scenes that are on them are just them like watching TV. Yeah, or like talking about the universe. Yeah, or talking about the universe. And like it's, but the problem with it all is that something about the way that the scene is like blocked Uh and something about the way that usually it's like handheld camera or usually it's like the camera is kind of just like lurking on them. Right. It's very like, it's very creepy as if something is about to happen uh-huh. to them. Like something is about to jump out, right. but nothing ever does. Yeah. It's either like very close up with weird mystical lighting yes. or rather wide in like a shockingly real way. It's so confusing. And which, which is honestly though, kind of the vibe of the whole movie. You're just going like, is this a fantasy book or is this real life? I don't fucking know. And I don't know if they know either, but I do like that as soon as Nicolas Cage commits to this whole like revenge thing, it also becomes like a dark, gory comedy. I also don't think that the, that the biker gang, I think they were real. I think they were real too. I don't think that they were like weird demons. Yeah, I was going to say the, the the thing that a lot of people walk away from this movie thinking is that the biker gang are like the demons from hell that were summoned by the cult to like yeah. snatch up this Mandy bitch. Uh, but no, I think that they were real people because I believe the guy in the trailer. <laughs> Correct. Because always like, believe the guy in the trailer. There are fantastical elements of this movie. Like Nicolas Cage, he goes and like kills each biker dude, like one by one. And one of them, he literally shoots him with an arrow through his neck. And the guy lives for a rather long amount of time before he kills him again. Yes. And you're just like, man, you, you're not like superhuman. You would have died already. But also we must suspend our disbelief so we can have an epic fight scene. And like, they're also really good and they're all punctuated by incredible one-liners from Nicolas Cage. Oh, he has the best lines in this entire Incredible. Movie. The man is fighting for his life and he's just like, you ripped my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite shirt. They burned her. <laughs> And some of the gore is even comedic. He, this is the grossest thing that happens in this oh movie. Oh my God. And don't, there's so don't many gross say things. what I think you're going to say. He takes a man's head and he just, the camera stays on it. 
and he squeezes it between his two hands uh, and squishes this man's head like a grape. It's disgusting. Like and you a, watch the whole thing. Like a cherry tomato. It's disgusting. It's fucking you know gross. What? I have to say to all of this, even though Nicolas Cage barely has any lines, is that I don't think anybody else could have done this no movie one else. and made it likable. I don't think this movie was written for anyone else. <laughs> Panos Cosmatos was just like, this is Here's only for Nicholas. Here's the thing. Nicholas Cage had obviously fucking absurd. And this movie is even more absurd. They have like a symbiotic relationship, like host and parasite, uh-huh. like fucking feeding off of each other, man. It's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted. So Elijah Wood is the producer of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Guys. Guys, the guy from Wilfred and also Lord of the Rings. Frodo produced this movie. Frodo and he was himself. like, 1,000%, we are getting an Oscar for Nicolas Cage for this movie, which BB I find Baggins. incredibly honorable. The only reason they couldn't do it is because they released it to VOD too soon. Oh, God. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, fucking sucks for Nicolas Cage yeah. not getting an Oscar for being covered in blood and neon lighting. All the time. <laughs> Too often. All the time, baby. All the time. Again, influenced by Vampire's Kiss. All blood, all the time. All blood, all the time. The director of this movie was just like, Coppola or bust, or I will not make this movie. Um, I highly recommend seeing Mandy. I think it's a fucking trip and a half, literally. I think it really is a trip and a half. I would only recommend watching it once. Yeah, I, I think if you're a dude, you'll like it a yeah. lot. Um, also, like, there's something to be said about, like, it's really interesting score. It's kind yeah. of just like nails on a chalkboard slash screams. It's very confusing. It is a confusing score, but it works really well with this movie. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and then some of the visual stuff they do with like the fantasy paintings, like yeah. being in the shots, it's very also very very cool. It's very cool. It's 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 cool. It is a sick film. I would recommend everyone watch it once. I fucking hated it, but also admired everything that it was doing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's an easy film to watch. It's just like it. it I, I can't say that it will appeal to a lot of women specifically. Can I say something yeah. shitty and elitist for ten seconds? Go ahead. I think if you are not someone well-versed in like Nicolas Cage's style or like what films like this try to do, you'll just think it's a bad movie. Yeah. And I don't mean that in like an elitist way. It's just like you kind of have to know before you can know what's good about this, I guess. I guess you're right. You know, I'll give it to you. Okay. Thank you. I'll give it to you, friend. (laughs) I don't want to be a film bro. It's just sometimes I have the feelings. Uh, For the rest of you bitches. I don't know, man. You'll either like it or you won't. I, 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 uh, you might think it's fucking awful. I can easily see someone thinking this is a oh, terrible movie. Oh, I can easily think. I mean, uh, the only people that I know that have seen this movie and liked it are all men. Mm-hmm. All the women that I know that have seen this movie fucking hated it. Uh, and there's something you've said about me hating it, but also seeing what it's doing and mad respecting it. Yeah, exactly. And kind of enjoying it secretly. I liked it. I liked it. I have no desire to watch it right now again, no. but I did like it. I think maybe in five years I'll watch it again. Okay. Yeah. I'll be there. Oh, totally. <laughs> All right. Well. All right, guys. That was Nicholas Cage. Well, that was Nikki Cage. Monica? That was, that was the famed Coppola. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Sorry. Monica? Yeah. <laughs> what have you dabbled in? Well, ma'am, I have a whole list to choose from, but I think today I would go with this one. Um, 
I went to the Studio City Farmer's Market today. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Studio City. That feels far. It was far. We went to the Yeasty Boys truck. Oh, I was going to say, when are you just going to the Pasadena Farmer's Market? <laughs> oh, no. Pasadena doesn't have a Yeasty Boys truck. Right, right, we right. went to the I'm Yeasty so Boys truck. Okay. And the Chetty Wop. It's the most delicious bagel I sandwich. I still haven't had it. I really want it. Well, we need to go. Okay. Okay. This okay. weekend. How about the, that? The, that'd be great. Great. Uh, so, so we're going to go to the Easy Boys truck. But anyway, so I went to the Studio City Farmer's Market and like, it's popping again. Right. Yeah. I, I I'll be honest. I haven't really been out very much, mm-hmm. um, since the Delta variant struck. <laughs> uh, a big part of it is, uh, you know, fear. Right. Uh, other part of it is laziness. Mm-hmm. And also I've gotten used to this pandemic. I've gotten used to being inside. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> However, this farmer's market was fucking popping. I got... Not one, but two new plums from the farmer's market. <gasps> and they are a crossbreed between plums, uh-huh. pomegranates, wow. and apricots. Holy shit, that sounds good. And it's like one fruit and you taste it and it tastes like all three fruits, but it's one fucking fruit. I need to go to a farmer's market. With the market. texture and the like sourness of a plum. Yeah. It's perfection. Wow. I love it. Anyway, my, the whole dabble point though is the fact that like there are farmer's market stands Mm -hmm. that exist that are only there to sell you weird fruit i i've seen them and i love them (laughs) that are like cross breeds between different like plums and peaches bananas apple like all of the fucking they're like here's this plum it's a dragon's egg they're fucking crazy (laughs) there is actually a stone fruit called dragon's egg oh my god didn't make it up (laughs) it's like laughing at me (laughs) so so anyway, so it, it's just cool to see like mad scientists out there in Studio City hustling. We stan a fruit scientist. We stan a fruit scientist. <laughs> Finish that without laughing. Uh, so, uh, so that was my dad. I dabbled in fruit science. Incredible. What about you? Um, well, I got my hair dyed. That's exciting. Ah. Uh, then I went to Santa Barbara for a week with my friends. Well, first we went to Ojai for a day. Ojai. Oh, Jai. I guess technically two days, but whatever. Um, We went to Ojai and then we went to Santa Barbara. I was there with my friends. We did lots of fun things. I got a sunburn. Um, and we went to this winery called Fest Parker in Los Olivos. The olives, for those of you who don't know. See. Um, <laughs> and Fest Parker is was an actor who played Daniel Boone or like Davy Crockett or some shit. The one with the raccoon hat. Oh, I don't know. One of one of the. We've, I think we've had this debate. This is exact Davy conversation Crockett. before on this podcast. <laughs> Isn't Davy Crockett the one with the gun, Davy and then Crockett. the one with the raccoon hat is the one that's the Davy Jones lot? No, they both have okay. they both have guns. I think. <laughs> Anyway, so they're just like. It's <laughs> fucking funny. There are just pictures of this Oy. man all over the vine. Um, the vinery? The winery? You'll spend an eternity on this ship. <laughs> we'll try to. Never forget that that is played by uh by uh, Bill Nye. Bill. No. Bill Nye. No, it's the Scars Guard. No? 
It, no, it's Bill Nye. The one with the fucking shit. Oh, I'm thinking of Bootstrap Bill. Yeah, you're thinking of Bootstrap so, Bill. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to get Don't my Don't you my look aqua- so stupid right now. I'm so right sorry now. that I got my aquatic ghosts mixed up. You look up. so stupid. <laughs> you sound so dumb. Everyone's going to fucking hate you. Okay. Write us about it. I dare you. Since you I haven't listened you. thus far. You're a liar and you'll spend an eternity on this ship. <laughs> get out (laughs) anyway i went to the winery (laughs) stop (laughs) i went to this winery and my my friends hannah and ev and i we so you get there and you pay for a tasting which is either 15 or 25 dollars depending on which one you want to do okay and you get four wines i think we walked out of there having had nine wines instead of four i know it was at least eight because we absolutely charmed the pants off of our wine educator that's their title oh wow Uh, his name is zach and he loved us shout out zach he loved us so much he just kept coming he's like i got some like extra for you like this is a special wine blah 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 and he gave us all this extra shit it was amazing and then he gave us his card with his direct with his cell phone number oh my god (laughs) and then we all followed each other on instagram and then he DM'd us in a group and we all started talking. And then he was like, tell me about this podcast. And I was like, oh what? my God, because it's on my profile that oh, yes, I'm yes, half yes, of the podcast. Yes. And I was like, oh my God. And so I told him about the podcast and I don't actually, he didn't follow our podcast account, but I don't know, maybe he'll listen. Who knows? Fucking shout out Zach. But incredible, incredible wine experience at the Fest Parker Vineyard. <laughs> I and I bought a that. bottle of wine for us to share this pizza night. Are you so excited? I'm so excited. It's guys. called the Big Easy. That's the name of the wine that I bought. <sighs> it's a delicious red blend because the the owners of the winery um, love New Orleans. Wow. I was about to say for some reason, but I was like, it makes sense. New Orleans slaps. New Orleans. Um, and I guess his wife or something was like served the wine and she said that. His own Mandy. She said that it's a big wine, but it's really easy to drink. And then he was like, we'll call it the Big Easy like New Orleans. And it's delicious. I wow. swear. I'm very excited. To I'm eat, excited to have to it. To eat it, to drink it. Uh, I'm excited I to have it. Meant. Which leads me to sort of my next question for the rest yeah, of yeah. you. If you have a specialty pizza recipe, please send it oh, to us. Oh, yeah. We're looking for a new signature. We're looking for a new signature. We're done with the barbecue pizza. It's fine. Mm-hmm. We're done with the buffalo. It's too fennel-y. We, I mean, we could just do it without the fennel. That's true. But, uh, but you know, we want to try something new. Aaron's you, face is sad. I want something like, give me like a peach burrata pizza. Oh, I want something like along those lines. Like, give me something wild. Give us something crazy to Aaron's try. face. He's like, fruit on my pizza? Get out. I think that Get sounds fucked, incredible. fucked, ladies. Oh, my God. Kill me now. Anyway, it, actually, that sounds kind of good. Peach I, and burrata? Yeah. Hell yeah. On a pizza? On a pizza, but also I'll just fucking grill some peaches with you if you want. I would. Oh, what if we did some the pizza barata. and some? Can we do nectarines since oh. they tend to be more flavorful? Yes. yes. Okay, great. Fruit science. <laughs> I'm a fruit scientist. Fruit science. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do the bubble popping sound again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry for all of my misophonias out there. I'm not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, well, I guess that's it, right? Yeah, I mean, that's it. We don't have a question this week, but shoot us a question for next week. Or tell us a story about you meeting a celebrity, because yeah. I still want to hear those. Uh, we've had people submit about, we've already talked about this, but like Julia Louis-Dreyfus. We've had um, uh, Adam Sandler. My dad met him at the Brentwood Bakery. Mm-hmm. He was buying pastries for his mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> his mom. His mom. <laughs> Yeah, mother. <laughs> <laughs> I told my Tim Allen story. Yeah, just mm. told him Tim Allen story. Uh, and that's, you know, that's yeah. it. So write us in. Write us in. Tell us something. Or just tell us we're pretty. Uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe, <laughs> rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please. Even if you listen on Spotify. My preferred method of listening is Spotify. Uh, team Spotify for the win. Me, me too. If there was an Olympics, <laughs> Spotify would win. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Uh, did you see that like fourteen year old kid who won that diving competition at no, the at the Olympics? I didn't watch any of the Olympics. Literally fourteen. Except I watched the um the diving where two people dove. Oh, two people. And I saw China win gold, right? And America, I think, won silver. I don't know. Anyway. Honestly, <laughs> I don't really follow the Olympics, but I see the the things on Instagram or I see Twitter. the highlights. I see the highlights and I'm like, oh wow, like this kid, she's like 14 and already winning like a gold medal at That's the Olympics. Cool, man. Like, where's my gold medal? You know, we weren't athletes. I need, I, but I can be an athlete somewhere okay, else. Okay, let's start training now. That's how that works. All right. 2024, <laughs> baby. I'm coming yeah, for you. I'm ready. I hope they don't bring the Olympics to Los Angeles. Um, oh, they want to. Hashtag no Olympics. We put in a bid for the last one. Please stop we already have it all built baby i really don't want to leave for a month because i can't handle the traffic i know so thank you and goodbye all right and with that don't Don't sue us daddy favreau bye monica goodbye jessica bye aaron bye